Deuteronomy 6 and verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So what if your heart is sick? What if you're only loving the Lord with 10% of your heart? Are you hearing me? You have to have your heart healed to be able to give him a whole heart. Because it says in the Bible, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So every thought and imagination of your heart is creating you all the time. In fact, it's been proven that if you don't want to live, your body will start to shut down. Because the message you're giving to every cell in your body is, I don't want you to be alive. Are you with me? You'll see that in people who have been married for a very long time to one another, and um, they can't imagine being alive without the other one. And you'll see them go, okay, I don't want to live without my partner. They, they die, the one partner dies. And within six months, within a year, the other one will die because they've decided, made a decision, I don't want to be alive without my partner. And your body will respond. Okay. So, if the messages from your heart to your body are unhealthy, you will be Unhealthy. You catch on quick, guys. That's great. Okay. We are dealing today with bitter root judgments. And uh, I'm going to read to you from Hebrews 12. You read 14 and 15. I'm quoting out of 15 mostly. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay. And then it says... Verse 15, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Okay, so a root of bitterness means what? That you have a tree. So let's call it a lemon tree. So when you start to feel bitter and angry and you want revenge, you are doing what? You're planting a lemon tree in your heart, which is then going to grow because what you sow, you will reap. It's going to grow. And when, when the fruit comes out on that lemon tree and it falls to the ground, what is going to happen to the seeds in the fruit? It's going to grow another lemon tree, which is also going to have fruit. So if you do not stop the cycle of sowing and reaping with any thought that's in your heart, you will reap from it for the rest of your existence on planet earth. The good news is you can repent. 
and you can stop the cycle of sowing and reaping so you don't have to keep having a harvest of lemons in all your relationships. Isn't that exciting? I think it's exciting. Okay, the issue is that many become defiled. In other words, what you expect from your relationships, you will get. Are you with me? So when you expect to be rejected, you probably will be rejected. Okay? So you can walk into a room, you can walk into a school, you can walk into wherever, and you're with people, and you expect to be rejected because you don't think you're a popular person. This is your image of yourself. Okay? What you're doing is you're putting up a, a stop sign saying, don't come near me, I don't want to speak to you, I don't need anybody, leave me alone. Now, everybody can feel that. It's like you walked in with that sign, but you don't have a sign. You have a vibe that says, leave me alone. Then people will leave you alone because they can feel that from you. Hello? Have you ever walked into a classroom when you knew you were going to be punished by your teacher because you didn't do your homework? The whole class is about to be in deep trouble. And you felt that sick feeling. It's not because she's ranting and raving. It's because she's probably saying nothing. But you can feel it. Are you with me? So what happens is the people around you will feel what you are saying. And you're not saying it with your mouth. You're saying it in your heart. Because you see, as a man thinks in his, so is he. And that is the message. Are we good so far? So what happens is you're at this social place. You're in a canteen. You're in a restaurant. It doesn't really matter. But your message is don't come near me. Leave me alone. Ignore me. I don't need you. I don't want you in my life. Don't come talk to me. You'll get that. And then when people ignore you, you know what you're going to do. You see, I told you no one loves me. But you set it up because you defiled people around you to do that to you. Because you put out an expectation that says, you will reject me. So when they are obedient to what you're saying, who do you blame? Them. For rejecting you. But my Bible says, your root of bitterness defiled them. So whose fault is it? Some people are not here today. Whose fault is it? What did you put out there? You sowed something. So what did you expect to reap? Don't come near me. Loving kindness. I don't want to know you. Compassion. No. Why? Because what's, what is your message? Leave me alone. Hello? Are you with me? So what we do is we project our feelings. 
And what our feelings are is what we really think we are. So our identity is wrapped up in mom and dad. Correct. Because when a baby is born, they're pretty useless. I mean, buck come out of the womb, can get on their feet, can go and drink some water. Babies can do nothing. If the parents don't feed this baby, care for the baby, carry the baby, change the baby, the baby's going to die. So mom and dad are like God. They're actually deciding whether this baby lives or dies. You realize that? So the whole thing of honor your father and mother is very important that your days will be long because it's about you living. And that's how it starts when you're just out the womb. Are you with me? As, as, as Dr. Hurd said, you know, when you're small, you think the world is all around you. One of the psychologists said something about two-year-olds. They've just realized they're not in their mother's womb. So they're hanging on to her legs. It's a psychological thing. Seriously. We, we do not realize how governed we are by our emotions, our feelings, and all of that. That's why it says you will love the Lord. Who? The Lord. With what? All your heart. That means even the places in your heart that you are resentful, he wants you to love him. Even the place in your head that you think you're not a very nice person, he wants you to love him with that mind. Even the place in your emotions where you want revenge and you have a temper, he wants you to love him in that place. So what are you going to do? You're going to obey God... Or you're going to rebel. Okay? So my um, piece of advice is you're going to go kicking and screaming. You can go nicely or not so nicely, but you're going in the end. So just start going now. It's a good idea. Okay, so our image and our identity of God is uh, basically how we see our parents and how they saw us. That was our mirror. That was our reflection of our identity. So, what does that mean? That means if your parents were not perfect, anybody here had absolutely perfect parents? If your parents were not perfect in everything they did, you're going to have a little bit of a distortion, a blip, or a complete in your image of yourself. Are you with me? And all of us have that problem because none of us are angels. Now, let me explain what I mean about that. Let me just do this piece. This is my testimony. I had a perfect father. I had a perfect mother. I never felt pain. No one ever rejected me. I've never cried because I don't know what it is to be hurt. I've never hurt my toe. I've never fallen over. I have always had success my whole life. 
Do you feel any identification with that testimony? Why? Because that's an angel, that's not a human being. I want you to, you have to get this. We were created human because our weaknesses are going to show up angels. Because you see, his faith, his grace, his strength is perfected in what? Our weakness, not our strength, not our perfection, our weakness. Hello? Jesus allowed himself to be weak to go to the cross. He's all-powerful God. He switches it all off to go to the cross. Everybody, do you understand that angels were made perfect? They could give the testimony. I was perfect. I was perfect on the day I was created. I'm still perfect. I'm perfect all the time. We don't have that testimony. We have a testimony that says, I need the blood of Jesus. And no angel can sing about it except us. You see, the fact that we are weak makes us so special. The fact that we have problems, the fact that we have to overcome things, the fact that we have to deal with issues is the reason God created us. Because he's saying to all these angelic forces, he's saying, look at me in a piece of dust. I can overcome you who never had a problem, who didn't have rejection, who doesn't know what it is not to be loved, blah, 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 blah. These guys who've been through it all are still, are still worshipping me because they want to. You see, the weirdest thing is we want a testimony that says I'm perfect, everything about me is perfect, everybody around me is perfect, my job is perfect, I have a successful career. I just want to tell you that's useless to God. That's not useful because he's got angels that have that testimony. That doesn't help him overcome. That doesn't help God win his battles. How's that? He needs weak people with a testimony that they've come through some stuff, overcome that stuff, to speak to principalities and powers. You have to begin to thank God for every weakness that you have. Everything about you that's not so perfect is fantastic. That's the very reason God can use you. And that's the reason he wants to use you. Because if you're so perfect, you could be plastic. If you don't ever bleed, well, you should be an angel then. But for us, we think that's the story of success. I'm just telling you, it's a distorted picture. God is not interested in perfection for perfection's sake because we would have been made perfect in the beginning. He's interested in perfection that was made perfect through weakness so that the glory of God can be revealed. Hallelujah. So, here we are. We're born on earth, and we have these parents. And I want to just tell you, the more messed up your testimony, the bigger your message. 
the more you're going to have to talk about, the more you're going to have to offer people to come into the kingdom. You see, if I stood here and told you my whole life was perfect, everything was perfect, there's nothing that I've ever done wrong, I've never lied, I've never stolen, I've never cheated, you'd be going, wow, really? She for real? No, she's not. Not. Are you hearing this? It's because of our weaknesses. So you need to start to thank God that where you are weak, He can now be strong. So there's a place in you that the hope of glory can come out of. Okay. Pain is inevitable. We are going to go through pain in life. You're going to stub your toes sometime. Told you, you're not an angel. You don't go through walls at this point. But suffering from that pain is optional. What am I saying? You can suffer for five minutes from that pain, or you can suffer for the rest of your life. Your option. By your reaction and your response. All right. Finding fault is a product of, one, fear, two, low self-worth, three, anger. We feel better when we find fault in someone else so we can judge them. So we can feel better about how they've judged me. So I've got a little word here for you. The bitterness in my life today is the words I spoke yesterday. So the wages of the words I spoke yesterday is the bitterness what I'm reaping in my life today. That's why it says, judge not, so you aren't judged. Now, this kind of judgment is not the same as the judges and God being the judge and all of that. I don't have issues with judgment and laws, and they have their place, all right? But this thing is, is literally judging the actions of a person. All right, let me, let me give you the whole clinical story here. While we are permitted to judge behavior, we are not permitted to bitterly judge the heart or motivation of another person. When we do, we plant a seed of bitter judgment in our life which operates like a curse pronounced over ourselves. So, little Dr. Richard Hurd at seven has judged his neighbor. And he said, this man is mean. This man deliberately left his gate open because he wants to terrorize me. He doesn't love me. I'm unlovable. And this can go, can you hear, with the, with the thought conversation. I shouldn't be alive. I don't want to live. It can go there. Can you hear the conversation? Because a gate was open and a dog came out. Could be true. Could be that it just happened. The fact is the dog came out, the door is open. That's a fact. Why the dog came out and why is the door open is something he decided. That he has no proof for. Are you with me? And that's how we make a bitter root judgment. Which means that any neighbor is going to be suspect to this man. He will not trust any neighbor because no neighbor 
has ever been good to him, period. So all his neighbors will be ugly because he's going to reap a harvest of lemon trees. See, if he didn't forgive this man early on, by now he'd have a neighbor's confederation standing outside his front door saying, get out of our neighborhood, get out of, we hate you. And he would have caused it. Are you hearing this? It would be his fault. But he's only seven and, 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 and he's scared. Of, but that's the reaction. I want you to understand your response is going to determine the rest of your life. So do me a favor, spite the devil and bless your neighbor. Forgive him. Even if he did deliberately, small Richard Hurd, even if he deliberately <laughs> open that gate, you must bless him and give him to God. That's what you do with that. Because the minute that you start blessing, you see, what was coming at you, that evil thing, if you turn it around, okay. You know, as an intercessor, I always look for an identification point. So when I'm praying for something, I'm looking for it in me first, even if it's tiny. Okay? Let me explain to you. In spiritual warfare, if you can find an identification point and turn it around, you've just turned the tables on your enemy. Okay, what do I mean? I'll tell you. Say someone says to me, Natasha, you are proud. Is that 99.9%? Is it 0.5%? Is it 50%? It doesn't matter. It's an accusation in court. Because what is Satan doing all the time? He, in, according to Revelations 12, he's in court right now. What's he doing there? He's accusing us how often? Day and night. What's he, what's he going to talk about? Did you see Natasha's attitude when she walked up and down that platform? Deal with her. Deal with her. Okay? Whatever. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So say like, Okay, Natasha, you're proud. Now, you can go into justification. No, I'm not. I might be because my mother's fault, my father's fault, whatever. Or you run to the, run to the mercy seat of God and say, right, I'm bringing this accusation to the throne. And if there is any truth in it, I want it burnt out of me. I'm ready to repent. Whether it's 5%, 9 5%, 0.5%, 99.95%, I don't care. I'm repenting. Because if you repent, the judgment turns. And then somebody else has got a problem and it's not you. That's why the Bible says agree with your adversary quickly while you're on your way to court. So that you won't be thrown into jail when the judge sees you. See, our problem is we justify stuff. Well, but, 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 just say yes, and I repent. And now it's turned on to the other person. And right now they're smiling, thinking, well, I won. But I'm covered. 
And all that stuff is coming straight back to you if you did that with the wrong motive. Hello? As an intercessor, when I'm praying for someone, okay, or praying for something, say that we're praying for your governor and there's major corruption in your city or something, right? I'm going to go into place in me and judge that first. Oh, no, we point here. No, no, we point here. And then if we find the same virus in here, am I greedy? Yes, I can be. I have been. Am I capable of stealing? Definitely. Okay, so is there a place in me that can identify with that corruption? Yes. Do I have the same tendencies? Yes. So I repent like I'm the one doing it. Because this virus in me now turns around and does a domino effect back into the system. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now that is strategic spiritual warfare. You start to blow up the brain, the computer of the entire system. How are we doing? You've got to see this logically. Not emotionally. Are you with me? Because this thing is being fought against you as a cold war. Expecting you to react. Are you with me? So something has happened to you and you have had a bad experience in a, in a relationship. Someone called you stupid, called you a fool. It's a teacher. It's somebody in kindergarten, whatever, okay? Humiliated you, embarrassed you, whatever. So when somebody else, now you, 20, 30, 40 years later, somebody else says the same phrase, you blow up. Are you with me? You don't go, ah, uh, you go, wah. Why? Because when you stand on a sore toe that is already broken, there's a, more of a reaction than when you stand on a healthy toe. If your toe is broken and someone stands on that toe, you're going to scream blue murder. Are you with me? So, clue. When you start to scream blue murder, what's the clue? I've got a broken place. Good. Now come to God and say, why did I have this reaction, God? There is some pain underlying my reaction. I want you to understand that very angry man is a very hurt boy. He just hasn't got any other way to express the pain except to be angry, and probably doesn't even know why he's so angry. Because the anger is covering pain. The only way you're going to find it is if the doctor goes and pushes to see which bone is broken, and he goes, ah, and then we know we got you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So your best friend is the devil. Because he's going to set people up to stand on your toe, so it can replay your reaction a hundred times. But if you catch him the first time and go, right, I'm repenting, there's no replay. So when you're going through healing and you have to forgive your mom, you've got to forgive your dad and there's pain involved, it'll be the last time you'll feel that. 
Go through it well. Scream bloody murder. It's good. So that you can get healed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because let me put it to you this way. If I took a piece of steak and threw it outside on the lawn, okay, and it's bleeding, I don't have to go and find flies. They'll find it. Yes. Demons are attracted to where you're bleeding. So what are we going to do? Invest in all kinds of sprays, take a swatter and swat for the rest of our lives, or do we stop the bleeding? Stop the bleeding. Okay. So the bleeding is where you have the pain. Right? So we want to stop the bleeding. We're going to stop the pain. It's not going to help if you don't acknowledge it. Pretend it doesn't exist, okay? It's like, uh, I remember this word of faith guy preaching in South Africa. He says, okay, this is not what we're teaching, he says. He says, okay, so you've just been in in an accident and your leg is half off and you're carrying your leg and somebody comes past you in the road and says, how are you, brother? And you go, I'm blessed and highly favored. Mm-hmm. You are in the spirit, but right there, your leg. See, some of us live in la-la land. We don't know which, which side we're on. Okay, right now we're dealing with soul issues, which we're going to stop the bleeding. I don't want you to give me a la-la land answer. This is, I'm hurt, it's hurting, let's sort it out. Are we good? Okay, so I have to find my identity in God, and it's got nothing to do with my parents. God already wrote my destiny before the foundation of the earth, according to Psalm 139, every day I will live. You know, if my parents are good, bad, or ugly, so what? Are you hearing what I'm saying? My destiny is is in God, and Jesus died and bled to put my destiny in place. Okay? And you also have to understand something. If you're a child, and you have spoken like a child and acted like a child, you're now an adult, and you now have to correct those things. Because what has happened is on the inside of you, you've internalized these experiences, and this thing is still speaking. You're like a record. You're a testimony that still speaks. Are you with me? So, my mother goes to the store. Mommy, mommy, please buy me this ice cream. I have to have this ice cream. Yes, yes. And promise me, yes, yes, fine. Mommy comes back, no ice cream. What does three-year-old Natasha do? Oh, I understand. You were so busy, mom. Hello? Hello? Logical answer. No logical answer. You don't love me. I hate you. I wish I had somebody else's mother. Why was I born in this family? You went to the store and you bought stuff for 
become three. This is not logical. Right? Unfortunately, in the spirit realm, it's recorded. And it will live in me until I stop the recording. Are you hearing me? So that recording is going to be playing to everybody I meet. You won't choose me. You'll prefer somebody else. Uh, you'll forget what I asked you for. I'll be in a line in Albertsons and they won't see me. And then I'll get mad. You see, people never. That's right, because you, you're defiling them. You're doing it. Because you still believe that experience when you were three. It's not logical, but you do. So how are you going to fix this? You're going to forgive your mother for not buying you the ice cream. Okay? What did she do? She didn't buy you ice cream. What did you then decide she did? You made a judgment that her action means I don't love you, I prefer other people, blah, 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 blah. Then that went into no one loves me properly, no one will never understand me because they never buy me the right ice cream. Are you with me? And so for the rest of my life, I'm set up to fail in all my relationships. And I am going to make it happen. Because I'm expecting it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So here I am in the room. I've got the sign on saying, don't come near me. I don't need to talk to you. All right? Then you don't come near me. Then I turn around and say, you see, no one loves me. Who did that? Me, my behavior. Are you with me? We have to own that. Because if we don't own that, we can't fix it. It's not everybody else's fault. It's mine. They must, they must own what they need to own. It's their problem. This is my problem. Are you with me? What if your father abused you, raped you, half murdered your mother? What if your mother sold you as a sex slave? We had that in South Africa. I'm go I've got this answer. I'm going to honor my mother and father because the Bible says so. And the other issue is I'm going to spite the devil. Because if I stay in this place of bitterness, I will keep reaping lemon trees for the rest of my life. And I'm not going to do that. It doesn't matter what was done to me, if it's justifiable or not. Are you with me? Because I'm going to spite the devil. He is not going to give me a miserable life. I'm not going to keep harvesting lemons. Because I'm going to start, I'm sowing something else. Period. Okay? Anyway, it gets a bit boring after 40 when you're still saying your parents are the problem. You know what I'm saying? When are you going to own your stuff? So the identity is my identity. All right? So my father's never home. My father doesn't marry my mother. My father is a drug addict. My father is in jail most of my life. My father, whatever, okay? What do I honor? You honor what God made. 
That's it. So, are we ready to forgive dad? Are you ready to forgive dad? I want you to understand, if you can release and forgive dad, you'll release yourself. Because it's a big image of God. Let's stand up. Let's do this quickly. So, I don't know what you call your dad. Father, papa, poppy, pup, dad, daddy, whatever. Okay. So, we're going to speak to our biological father, whether he's dead or alive, because we're going to get the record in our heart right before God. Okay? Are you with me? We need to speak it because in God's throne room, there is no time. So we're not trying to talk to dead people. Are you with me? All right. So this is about coming to the court and setting things right legally. Because I want to stop sowing and reaping. Are we good? Okay. So Father, in the name of Jesus... I want to come to your throne room with my biological father. And I want you to record this in heaven. So, whatever you call him, dad, daddy, father, papa, whatever. I forgive you for not being there in my life. Uh, For working so much that I never saw you. For beating up my mother, for taking the money and spending it on yourself and not looking after your family, for never being there. Now, your story is going to be whatever it is, okay? I'm just giving you an example, a parameter to work with. So, So, Dad, in Jesus' name, today, I choose to honor you. As my biological father, that the father in heaven gave me. And I I choose to honor you, and I choose to bless you, regardless of how I think you should have fathered me. I bless you, and I release you from all my judgments in my heart that were against you. And I give you to the Father. Okay, now what's happened now is we've corrected our stuff with a biological father. Now we've got to go to the Father and correct what we did with that image. We put it on God. Because what we will do is we'll project our image of our biological father back onto God. So now we've got to ask for forgiveness for that. So Father in heaven, I ask your forgiveness where I have judged My biological father, I say that I was wrong, and you know all the situations and circumstances, and today, I want to make things right with you in heaven, and I want to make the record straight in my heart. Now, every place where I want revenge... I want to hit this guy. I want to make him feel what I felt. I want to ignore him. Uh, I want him to feel the neglect I felt. 
All of those things, all of that pain, I put it on the cross of Calvary because Jesus died to take my offense, my sins. And I don't want this offense to feed the foundation of my life one second longer. I want to have good relationships with men, men in authority, school teachers, lawyers, judges, doctors, policemen. I thank you, Lord. I now have favor in these places. And I thank you that today we stop the bitter root judgment. No more harvest of lemons through my judgments against my father in any of my relationships in Jesus' name. Burn up all those lemon trees and all the fruit now. Let no seed from that original offense ever give fruit again because I'm sowing a different seed today. In Jesus' name. Okay, the same as mommy. Okay, so I'm just going to go on, on a bent with mommy. And your mommy could have been great. Your mommy could have been terrible. Your mommy could be anything. But I want to just say that as a child, somewhere you judged mommy. Good, bad, or ugly. Okay, and that judgment's going to come back on you. And remember, it's your perception of what you think her behavior should be or why she acted the way she acted or did to you what you think she shouldn't have done or whatever. Are you with me? All right. So we're going to honor and bless mommy and release her from our judgments. Amen. So we can get out of the sowing and reaping story. Is that good? All right. So mommy, mama, mother, whatever you call her, say that. I forgive you for. Never being at home, working too hard, not having time to play with me, not spending time with me. You never read me a book like all my friends' mothers did. See, whatever it is for you, I forgive you, Mom. I release you from saying that I'll never make it. I am a failure. I am too slow, too stupid, not good enough. I forgive you, Mom, for all the things you said to me. And I choose to bless you today in front of the Father in heaven. I want it written down that I have forgiven you. And I'm doing it from my heart. Okay, so now we've got to go to the Father. And we've got to take off that image of our mommy that we put on, on Father God. Okay, because we messed up our image of Father God now with mommy. Okay, are you with me? And mommy and daddy and Father God are distinctly three different people. All right? Hello? Okay, just remember that you were the three-year-old and you did something like, Wah! my ice cream, I hate you. You did something like that to your parents. They did something like that to their parents. We're all reaping generationally. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And then it becomes, I'm serious, it becomes generational. My great-granny's husband came to South Africa, turn of the century, and he came home every eight years or so, had a baby, went back to South Africa. Every time he went back, the money would change and he had to come back again. So, my great-grandmother had a single-parent home because Africa and Europe were far away, three, three or four months by boat. My granny's husband left just before the Second World War. My mom met her father when she was 10. She was a baby in arms when he left. They had the whole war in between. So there's this single parent family thing in my family. And I can go and look at it and it's going back generations. Are you with me? So there's a sowing and reaping that begins to get generational. So we're doing a very simple issue here. Okay, so where are we now? We, we're going back to God about mommy. So Father God, I repent where I judged you to be like mommy. You're not mommy. And I thank you today that you heal my identity in you right now so that I can see you as my father in heaven and who my mother was or wasn't or is or isn't does not set my life. But you have set my life. You are my real creator. My parents were entrusted with me, but you're the one who created me. In your image and in your likeness. Turn around to the person next to you and say, I love myself because God loves me. Tell somebody else, I love myself. Because God loves me. And he's intelligent. He, cre he created the whole universe. So he knows what he's talking about. I am lovable. Now that's very important. Because your parents, in a sense, are going to do this performance thing. If you are good, then you get this. I mean, it's just part of how it is. Okay? And it does whatever it does. Are you with me? So, today, Father, we want to stop the suffering of years of abuse and years of feeling second best and years of feeling like I'll never succeed. We want to say today, this harvest is broken in the name of Jesus. Father God, every way that I have fed this altar, I am not feeding it again. I am not going to sow the seeds of assumption of my perception into everybody I meet in the name of Jesus. Father, I need new habits. I need to think differently. I need a new mind and a new heart towards my earthly father, towards my earthly mother. I need to see them as children. Don't you understand? They're children emotionally. And we all are children at the foot of the cross, emotionally. Are you with me? God doesn't see your parents like this and you like this. We're all like this. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
So if you can see the little boy in your father and the little girl in your mother, you can forgive them. It's easy. If you look at them from a child perspective and say, you should know better, you've just sowed for yourself some stuff you don't want. Because then your kids are going to turn around and say to you, you don't want that. Not good. How are we doing? Amen.